Good to see you this morning. It's, uh, it's good to be here. There were some good things Micah just said there, uh, some real truth, and some things uh, we, we've journeyed along. We've got a lot of, of what God has told us. We possess a lot of things. We've learned a lot of things. We walk in things that we've learned. But I have noticed that there are uh, some struggles still in people that I want to I help you out this morning. In my conversations with people, I, I realize uh, the, the struggle is in the nature of people, is where a lot of the problem is facing. Now we have, we have uh, things like uh, where we fight spirits. True, makes sense. They'll always, the spirit part is always going to be an influence. But I want to show you the difference here this morning. And I've talked about some of these things many times. But it's very important because how many of you have struggled with things that you say, I would like to overcome things, but I just can't seem to. And the reason why is because it's, ingrained in your nature you say well it's the devil doing it to me well not anymore you have joined yourself with him and are thinking like him therefore it's in your nature to be what you are we've got to change that how many understand what i'm saying here like it becomes a part of your life Almost to where it's habitual. Like you can, you can form habits built upon the way you think. Well, if you think like God, your habits become like Him. If you are not thinking like God, say you're thinking like the world, what do you become? Your habits become that. Well, I think that in... The reading, I'll, I'll read, I'll start reading from 2 Peter chapter 1. And there's two things that happen here. Micah talked about the Lord talking to us. He has talked to us. Well, imagine, imagine, uh, Naomi, come here real quick. Imagine you, every one of you, this is you, Okay. And let's say the word of the Lord is outside of you. Now we know it's all working within us, but I have to relate it to so you can make so it makes sense, right? Let's say God creates you and you have a spirit, soul and body. Now what's the difference between soul and spirit? Have you ever struggled with that? Well, it's all spirit. True? It's all invisible until it's seen. But regardless, the spirit and soul are actually, they interchange one with another. They're basically the same thing, except spirit deals with heaven. Earth is the soul. So when you're dealing with spirit and soul, all of us have spirit and soul. It's just heaven and earth. That's all it is. That's the difference. They do work as one unit though, so to speak. And so if I was to, to come to you and say, Here's, here's you, and I'm God. I want to impart into you, into your spirit or your soul, 
if that is who you are, I need to impart myself to you and make you become like me. Would that be, how does that work? Would that be through the word? So it's through that preaching, it's through that teaching. I impart, God says, I impart myself to you because I speak my word to you and I form myself in you. Now, what gives God the ability to form himself in you? Is it the spirit, the soul? Well, didn't he do that with Adam? He did that with Adam, didn't he? What happened? See, a serpent came along and imparted himself and it changed everything. So in the origin, God said, You're, you and me are, are together here. But then when a, an outside source came and defiled what was in you, all of a sudden you started thinking like that, a serpent. So God is over here going, hold on. Who told you that? I breathe into you. Who else breathe into you? Um, I'm naked, God. Yeah, I get that. I knew that all along. I'm the one that was going to cover you. I was your covering. But now you believe the lie, and that lie caused you to do what against God? Sin against God, and then turn your back on God, fear Him, accuse Him, and go after other things. You can sit down. Now, is that idolatry? Is that the same thing as idolatry? You worship another God. Is that adultery? You cheat against your husband or your spouse, vice versa. Isn't it? So two of the biggest sins in the Bible that God always went after was idolatry, worship, and adultery. And fornication goes right along with that. Why? Because it's leaving your origin. So when we talk about you going out from heaven, that's what we're referring to. You were originally God's, God breathed into you and then something else got in the mix and caused you to leave. What is sin? A little classroom setting this morning. What is sin? It's a separation from God. It makes sense, don't it? Because when, when a lie comes in and talks to you, it separates you from God. It separates you from your origin. And see, let me ask you guys a question. Do you know why it's very important not to judge a person by the flesh? Because flesh today is not the same as it was in its origin. You know that, right? The parables today are not the same as they were as when God made it. In the beginning... It was male and female. What's happened to male and female today? Sin's involved. And so while I do agree that people struggle in their minds and it's a reality of who am I, what am I, 
I'm saying that when you leave the origin, it changes. So the consciousness today is different than it was in its origin, where it was plain and simple. God made the world in seven days, and here it is. Well, once the world leaves God and sins, all of a sudden, every creation starts coming into the mix. Now, today, in our consciousness, I can identify as anything I want, and it be true. Why? Because I said so. That's why. What's that make me? A God. That's not true. See, we have to get back to the origin of what God said everything is. And what God says it is, that's what it is. Just because we make up our mind that we want it to be something today, that don't make it true. What makes it true is when I look at the origin and I reflect. Hmm. Does this line up with the origin or does it line up with today? Ah, big difference. Am I making sense? See, I don't have a vendetta to go after everybody in the world. What I do have is a desire to preach God, Jesus, and give everybody the chance to hear the truth. And whether someone rejects the truth I'm not going to run around with a baseball bat chasing everybody, telling them you're rejecting the truth. Will you? I think that's God's business. See, my business is to say what God has said and then guide as many people as want to come into it. That's what we do. Speak the truth. But if somebody chooses to stand before God in error and in sin, then God knows how to deal with sin, doesn't he? A lot better than we do. So I think we let God do that. So, but here's my point though. Back to something you said earlier, Michael, was we're being taught the word of God. So what we're being taught is how to live like God, think like God, do the works of God, but then there's this other voice in us that just keeps telling us something different, doesn't it? So what do we need to do from that voice, Megan? We need to separate from that voice. Separate from that serpent. Separate from the lie and stand over here with God and say, this is how God did it. This is how the serpent does it. So why did God make division between good and evil? To teach us that very thing. So that when we journeyed, you know, there's no real time on, on the real earth. There's no real time on how long this thing's been around. God knows. Even in the origin of creation, you could say it, it's, we're about 6,000 years out of the Bible. But then how do you know how long Adam was alive? So we don't really have a, a set time, but what we do have is that once Adam left the garden, everything in the earth began to change, didn't it? And here we are, generation, 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 generation later, here we are 
looking at a reality of what is God and what is not God and trying to figure it all out. You know what I say? Go back to the original blueprint, man. Because if I'm sitting in a room and I tell you a secret and by the time it goes all the way around the room, it is possible it can be defiled. The only way it's not defiled is what? What? If, if that original idea is kept clean in every conversation, what could happen when it gets to the end? It stays clean. So when God made Adam, was he faithful to visit that and remind everybody of the, the beginning? When he got all the way to Moses, did he speak to Moses face to face and say, hey, here's my plan. I know we lost it in Adam, but let me remind you what the beginning was like. And he did. And then he gets to Abraham. Uh, well, Abraham already happened, didn't he? <laughs> Before Moses. Let's say he gets to David. And David says, God, talk to me. And God tells him, here's my will. Here's the way it's been from the beginning. Here's the way it's going to be all the way to the end. And the people of God are the ones that keep in order the mind of God as it progresses. But what if the people of God forget? Because then the church starts acting like the surroundings. Why is everybody struggling right now on how to treat one another and everything? Because it's all mixed up in the mind. We don't have the origin of God's mindset. We're trying to pick and choose what goes on in our world today in a setting that is full of sin. I don't care what side of the, uh, of the fence you land on, you're not going to get it right. So you can be on the left or you can be on the right. It ain't going to matter. You're going to be wrong in the end when sin is present. But where you will be right is when you stand in God's mindset and you begin to follow that and order your life after what God said. Makes sense, doesn't it? So what do I need to change my life? What do I need as a plan to live by? Go straight to the Word of God. Go straight to the Word of God and learn it. And walk by it. And I, let me read this to you in 2 Peter chapter 1. And you could start in verse 1. Simon Peter a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Now notice who he's talking to. He's talking to those of like minds, like faith. The same faith. That's in Peter. He's saying, I'm talking to you. The, the ones that have the same faith. And who obtained it through righteousness of God and of our Savior Jesus. So basically, we all got the same faith from the same place. From who? Jesus Christ? God? Praise God. That's good. Hard to talk to somebody who's in the mind of sin when you're in the mind of faith, isn't it? Does that include yourself? <laughs> Hard to talk to yourself when the Word of God says one thing and you believe another. Man, that's tough. 
Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Multiply. I think that's what he told Adam. Multiply. Replenish the earth. With what? The word of God. Look here. Grace. Peace. Okay. Verse 3 says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So where'd we get it from? From God through his divine power. Now God is divine. And so when he speaks here, this is going to be the same terminology he uses in Romans 1, his eternal power divine it's different than the earth it's other than the earth it's higher than the earth so when he works by his power there's a holiness to it there's a righteousness to it that's awesome isn't it and he goes on to say whereby are given whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, the lust that is in the world. Question for you. How do you get your nature changed? Now look at that verse and tell me. By the promises that he gives you. Now, I want you to pay attention to something. When God shows up and promises you something, he doesn't just want to give you a gift. He wants to change you into that promise. He wants to make you something, not just give you something. This is very important because the serpent also made a promise. If you eat of this tree, God does know that in the day that you eat of this tree, you shall be, you'll have your eyes opened and you'll become like God's, knowing good and evil. That was a promise. And you know what? That promise got into Eve and into Adam and they followed that promise and they received it. You know what's funny though is? It tormented them. Receiving the promise of the devil tormented them. What do you think receiving a promise of God will do? Grace and peace? Prosperity in the spirit? Hope and life? Which is eternal? Salvation? Overcoming? Rewards? See, here's the thing. I think if you're not careful, you will miss that God has made promises to you that will lead you out of your old nature. The nature of sin that is corruption and fear and death and doubt and the thing, it's, it's like we can't get away from it because we believe it so much. We believe it. And yet... God says, I'll tell you what, I'll replace those promises 
with my promises and I'll create in you not just a clean heart, I'll create in you a divine nature. A nature that doesn't struggle to live for God. A nature that desires God over everything else. Now imagine that. Because how many of you still war in your nature? It's like I know the commandments, but I want to do something else. What's still working there? Lust? Well, it says it right there in the verse, doesn't it? The lust that's in the world, boy, that's working strong. So when lust is present, lust always, always, always promises you something. Doesn't it? You ever thought about that? Lust makes promises. It does. And it lies to you. Thing is, it can fulfill it, but it's kind of like sugar. It only satisfies you for a moment. But then you always want more. You got to have more. That's what lust does. It creates the addiction in you to always want more. And then that becomes our nature. And our nature is always going after something because there's promises that are telling us we will receive something. God says, I want to change that. So then, Nancy, what's the point of a commandment? What's the point of a promise? To change you. To change you. So it's like, I will give you eternal life. That's a promise, right? Well, what does that mean? What does that mean for you? If you have eternal life, what does that mean? Go ahead and say it. I'll live forever. It's okay. Good. I'll never die. Peace, joy, life, no more crying, no more fear, no more death, no more sorrow, right? No more adulteries, no more idolatries, no more fornications, no more nothing but blessings of God. So here's my point. When he promises you eternal life, does he say that's something I want to just give you or something I want to make you? I want you to become eternal life. How else are you going to live forever if you are not eternal life with him? So it's like, oh, I just want to be a person who lives in eternal life. No. You want to be eternal life. Because if you are, you will never die. And so if if you say, well, I want to overcome the devil. Or do you want to be an overcomer? How many of you have overcome different sins in your life? But yet still struggle with other sins? Are you hearing me? My point is, if you want to do something, you can do it, but not be it. You want to be what God says you are, not just do it. See the division I'm making here? We get it in our minds to do works. 
If I pray today, I have done a good work. But that don't make that good work doesn't make you faithful. That good work didn't make you righteous, did it? Because you leave that prayer meeting and go out and act like the devil. I'm saying we're so busy focusing on the works of something, rather we should be focusing on the identity of something. I don't want to just do good works for God. I want to be like God. And that's a clean thing I'm saying. In other words, I want, if I'm created in his image and his likeness, then I want to be like him. And so we, we get to a point where we try to get away from things. Stop that. That doesn't mean that you don't have to walk away from things because it's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Do that, okay? But the focus is I don't do that because I'm not that. So I'm, I don't steal because I'm not a thief. See, but sometimes you could steal because you're, you're not identifying as not a thief. I'm saying you have thieveries in you. But if you're not a thief, you won't steal. Did Jesus? Because he wasn't a thief. Was Jesus a murderer? No, therefore he didn't murder. See, Jesus loved righteousness, therefore he acted out righteousness. Sometimes we're so busy trying to focus on the commandments instead of trying to be like him. Yes. Yes. So her comment was your, your love for God is what drives you to be something and do something rather than just doing it because you're told to do it. Yes. So I noticed something raising kids like we all do. Kids are different. One kid, you have to tell them to clean their room. The other kid, they hate a dirty room. They like cleanliness. One kid don't care what their room looks like. You're always telling them to clean their room. The other kid says, no, I like a clean room. I clean it. You don't have to tell them ever. And that's interesting because that's just like us in the church. One person, you got to always tell them, be faithful, be faithful, be faithful, do right, do right. Why? Because it's not in the heart. The other person, you don't have to tell them. They make mistakes. The room's not always clean. It gets a little messy sometimes, but you don't have to tell them. They know they're gonna, they, they need to clean up, and they clean it up. The difference goes to the heart and the nature of a person. And I want to say to you, God has given us his precious promises to change our very nature. Not just what we do. See, we get in trouble by doing this to people. 
especially our kids, right? If you go clean your room, I'll give you a candy bar or a piece of candy. Yay! Here's a dollar. And we teach them. Reward is based on works. Not so. Reward is teaching a kid how to be something so that when he goes out on his own, you don't have to tell him to do right. The reward is becoming something. That's the reward. We think the reward is the candy. If I do good, I get to go to heaven. God looks on the heart. And so we talk about rewards as if there's something we get because we just do things. God looks on the heart. God wants you to be like him. And I remember when I, uh, years, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, I remember being so frustrated down in Virginia uh, where I went to Bible school. And I was praying one time in the church. The church was just going nuts, man. They were running and jumping and shouting and screaming. And I wasn't. I, was, I felt like I was the only one in there. I just, it just wasn't in me. I was, I was dealing with some things and I was just praying. And I'll never forget the pastor called me up and he prayed for me that I would dance. And that's all he cared about. He did not care about anything that I was dealing with. He wanted me to dance because he was looking at my outward and I was thinking, what do I do? So what do you think I tried to do? Well, it didn't fix me, but it made him happy. And then I thought, what is going on here? That was the first time I looked at something and I said, wait a second. If I do this, it'll make him happy. So then he taught me that if I deceive him, he'll be okay. That's what he taught me. That if I jump up and down, he's happy. I'm happy. We're all happy. And then I learned, oh man, okay. But that don't fix anything. So when I become pastor, I look at you and I go, What's, what's working on the inside? Or is that person just trying to make me happy? Because if I'm happy, that don't mean God's happy all the time. And what we want to do is, sometimes you got to look past what's happening in the flesh and look to what's happening in the heart because that's where God looks. God looks on the heart and wants to know what's there. So you could go do an act of prayer or an act of going to church or an act of reading your Bible and be a heathen inside. And what does God see? The inward. And he wants to change us. So here's what he does. He says, I'm going to make some promises to you. If you do not sin and you be righteous and you don't touch the unclean thing, I will receive you. But see, we take it as, ooh, I just don't have to do wrong here. 
that's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, I'm telling you that to change you into a heart that doesn't want to do wrong. And therefore, what's the person? The person that learns how to hide knows how to act a certain way in front of people. That's a person that knows how to hide. A person that is righteous acts the same way all the time because that's what's in his heart. That's what God's looking for. Does God want to change you into his nature? He does. That's true. How does that happen? With what we read today, it's pretty simple. He says, I'm just going to speak some words to you. Now, come back up here, Naomi. Because I started off using Naomi. If Naomi is hurting and in, and in sorrow and pain and, and or confusion or struggles with doubts and fears and unbeliefs or torments or unfaithfulness or disobedience, whatever it might be. When I look at her, if I'm in the mind of God, I'm not going to always go after what she's doing in the flesh to correct her. Sometimes you got to let that by for a moment while you speak the word. See, because in religion of the mind, we say, if I could just stop this person from acting a certain way, they're saved. Not true. So I'm not concerned as much about stopping the act, unless it's hurting somebody, of course, as I am about changing the heart, the nature. So if we speak the word and focus on the nature, what do you think the action will do? It'll change because she's learning to love God. So what we got to do is pour the word into her. We got to breathe life into her. Some of our situations at home are in critical state because we just keep trying to change people and their actions. That won't work. How about sow life into a person? How about sow edification into a person? How about sowing truth with love, not with an agenda? So if I speak love and life without any personal agenda, could God do a work? Yes. Thank you. So we let God do it. And therefore, God can come in and do the work and, not, and you not have to carry this burden of frustration because a person won't change. Marty, what happens if I'm always telling you what to do? After, at some point, you're going to be like, I'm tired of going around that guy. I'm tired of him always telling me I have to do this. He's always looking at my negative, like I'm always doing something wrong. Oh, I know human nature. And that's what human nature does. But what if I speak the word of truth to you and just edify you and speak that word? If you love God, you know what you're going to do? Eventually, you're going to hear it. And when you hear it, you're going to change. And why did Jesus know 
that he, Jesus didn't show up for one day and go, hey, 12 disciples, follow me. Oh, I'm out of here. I told you everything you need to know in one day. Nope. He spent day after day after day. They continued, Deborah, in the word. And what did it do for them? Every one of you that keeps coming back, coming back, coming back, coming back. I don't have to tell you, hey, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You're doing this wrong. The word preached will tell you that. It tells you that all the time. Every time I say that God is righteousness, what does that tell you? I'm not. He is. So, Lord, change me into your image. Doesn't that create a prayer? Just by saying God is righteous creates a prayer in you to be like him. Does it not? Otherwise, do I have to say, Marvin, you are so unrighteous, man. You're the most unrighteous guy I know. And I tell you that every time. You wouldn't come back, would you? You'd be like, I'm finding another church. And then I'm sitting in the back. And before he left here, he'd be sitting... uh, See, he'd start moving every row back. Sitting behind somebody. Don't look at his eyes. Don't look at his eyes. But see, we're not going to do that. All I got to tell you is the Lord reigns. The Lord is the overcomer. He overcame Satan. And you go, oh, I'm dealing with the devil. Huh. Jesus did what? Yeah, Jesus overcame the devil. Uh, I want to be like him. So all I got to do is tell you the truth and it makes you want the truth. That's the difference between the Pharisee and the law chasing you around, telling you every little thing you do wrong. Man, I ain't following you to your house all the time. Yeah, I saw you outside there the other day. I heard what you said. What? Where were you at? Yeah, I was sitting in my car behind behind that tree spying on you nope god's doing this work and what do you what so what do we do i'm just going to keep telling you the promises of god and every time i tell it to you that love of god in you is going to go oh that's who god's calling me to be and it'll change you You know why I believe that? Because he said his divine power has come in and done this. I think if God can create heaven and earth, he can take care of us. Can he? I love that about God, Marty. And I have to say, before I I stop all of this, is one of the things that Rick taught us very carefully was he said, trust the Lord that he can do the work in someone. It's the number one thing you got to do as a pastor. Trust that God can do the work. Don't carry the obligation of flesh to fix everybody because you can't. But some of the best advice I ever heard. And it was great counsel. And I want you to walk by that same thing. Trust the Lord to fix you. To fix others. If 
if I see Micah in a place of things that he don't understand, we're going to get to talk about it. But it's not going to be Micah. You have to sit down for a month. I don't like what you're doing. Is it like that? No. Does we let the Spirit guide a person? And that's what I want for you. How does that work? We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to let His promises talk to us. And that divine nature is not unattainable. It's not. The divine nature is not unattainable. And that's where the heart is after God and you're changed into the likeness of God. That's not unattainable. That's why you keep coming back, right? So you're here today for what reason? Just to be faithful? Or to be the faithful one? That's a change right there, isn't it? Now, who's the faithful one? Jesus Christ. He's the faithful one, right? Did he tell you you could be like him? So who's the faithful one? You're the faithful one? Praise God. That's not replacing Jesus. That's becoming one with him. So who's the righteous man? You are with him. Christ in you. And that's all God wanted to do was multiply himself. That's why he told Adam to do that. Isn't that interesting? When a serpent came in, what happened then? Now you had multiplication of both good and evil. Cain and Abel. But in the end, when Jesus comes in the Bible, everything changed after that. What was the reproduction after Jesus? Sons of God? I mean, he stopped everything by the flesh after that and showed us how to multiply after the Spirit. So what should be happening to your thoughts within you? Do you have a lot of bad thoughts thoughts still? Do you have a lot of bad thoughts on and off? Which ones do you live by? That'd be actually a good exercise. If I went around the room and I said, who are you? What would you tell me? Would you say your name? Now we know that name. But what are you? Are you the faithful one? Are you the righteous one? Are you the sinful one? The lustful one? That's what you'd want to say. In this situation. So what are, we, what are we today? What are we? You can give me general answers. Sons of God? Daughters of God? Faithful ones? Good. And continually, as you go through this journey, I, I just trust the promises. Okay, just trust them. Trust them. That's all you got to do is trust the promises to where... When you trust them, you don't have to worry about not becoming them. Trust them. 
They're telling you what you are. That's what promises do. 